On Pilgrimages by Gregory of Nyssa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Since, my friend, you ask me a question in your letter, I think that it is incumbent upon me to answer you in their proper order upon all the points connected with it. It is, then, my opinion that it is a good thing for those who have dedicated themselves once for all to the higher life to fix their attention continually upon the utterances in the gospel, and just as those who correct their work in any given material by a rule, and by means of the straightness of that rule, bring the crookedness which their hands detect to straightness, so it is right that we should apply to these questions a strict and flawless measure, as it were, I mean, of course, the gospel rule of life, and, in accordance with that, direct ourselves in the sight of God. Now, there are some amongst those who have entered upon the monastic and hermit life, who have made it a part of their devotion to behold those spots at Jerusalem, where the memorials of our Lord's life in the flesh are on view. It would be well, then, to look to this rule, and, if the finger of its precepts points to the observance of such things, to perform the work as the actual injunction of our Lord, but if they lie quite outside the commandment of the master, I do not see what there is to command anyone who has become a law of duty to himself to be zealous in performing any of them. When the Lord invites the blessed to their inheritance in the kingdom of heaven, he does not include a pilgrimage to Jerusalem among their good deeds. When he announces the Beatitudes, he does not name amongst them that sort of devotion. But as to that which neither makes us blessed nor sets us in the path to the kingdom, for what reason it should be run after, let him that is wise consider. Even if there were some profit in what they do, yet even so, those who are perfect would do best not to be eager in practising it. But since this matter, when looked closely into, is found to inflict upon those who have begun to lead the stricter life a moral mischief, it is so far from being worth an earnest pursuit that it actually requires the greatest caution to prevent him who has devoted himself to God from being penetrated by any of its hurtful influences. What is it, then, that is hurtful in it? The holy life is open to all, men and women alike. Of that contemplative life the peculiar mark is modesty, but modesty is preserved in societies that live distinct and separate, so that there should be no meeting and mixing up of persons of opposite sex, Men are not to rush to keep the rules of modesty in the company of women, nor women to do so in the company of men. But the necessities of a journey are continually apt to reduce this scrupulousness in a very indifferent observance of such rules. For instance, it is impossible for a woman to accomplish so long a journey without a conductor. On account of her natural weakness, she has to be put upon her horse and to be lifted down again. She has to be supported in difficult situations. Whichever we suppose, that she has an acquaintance to do this yeoman service, or a hired attendant to perform it, either way the proceeding cannot escape being reprehensible. Whether she leans on the help of a stranger, or on that of her own servant, she fails to keep the law of correct conduct, and, as the inns and hostelries and cities of the East present many examples of license and of indifference to vice, how will it be possible for one passing through such smoke to escape it without smarting eyes? Where the ear and the eye is defiled, and the heart too by receiving all those foulnesses through eye and ear, how will it be possible to thread without infection such seats of contagion? 
What advantage, moreover, is reaped by him who reaches those celebrated spots themselves? He cannot imagine that our Lord is living in the body there at the present day, but has gone away from us foreigners. Or that the Holy Spirit is in abundance at Jerusalem, but unable to travel as far as us. Whereas, if it is really possible to infer God's presence from visible symbols, one might more justly consider that he dwelt in the Cappadocian nation than in any of the spots outside it. For how many altars there are on which the name of our Lord is glorified, one could hardly count so many in all the rest of the world. Again, if the divine grace was more abundant about Jerusalem than elsewhere, sin would not be so much the fashion amongst those that live there. But, as it is, there is no form of uncleanness that is not perpetrated amongst them. Rascality, adultery, theft, idolatry, poisoning, quarrelling, murder, are rife. And the last kind of evil is so excessively prevalent that nowhere in the world are people so ready to kill each other as there, where kinsmen attack each other like wild beasts and spill each other's blood merely for the sake of lifeless plunder. Well, in a place where such things go on, what proof, I ask, do you have of the abundance of divine grace? But I know what many will retort to all that I have said. They will say, Why did you not lay down this rule for yourself as well? If there is no gain for the godly pilgrim in return for having been there, for what reason did you undergo the toil of so long a journey? Let them hear from me my plea for this. By the necessities of that office in which I have been placed, by the dispenser of my life to live, it was my duty, for the purpose of the correction which the Holy Council had resolved upon, to visit the places where the church in Arabia is. Secondly, as Arabia is on the confines of the Jerusalem district, I had promised that I would confer also with the heads of the Holy Jerusalem churches, because matters with them were in confusion and needed an arbiter. Thirdly, our most religious emperor had granted us facilities for the journey by postal conveyance, so that we had to endure none of those inconveniences which in the case of others we have noticed. Our wagon was, in fact, as good as a church or monastery to us, for all of us were singing psalms and fasting in the Lord during the whole journey. Let our own case, therefore, cause difficulty to none, rather let our advice be all the more listened to, because we are giving it upon matters which came actually before our eyes. We confessed that the Christ who was manifested is very God, as much before as after our sojourn at Jerusalem. Our faith in him was not increased afterwards any more than it was diminished. Before we saw Bethlehem, we knew his being made man by means of the Virgin. Before we saw his grave, we believed in his resurrection from the dead. Apart from seeing the Mount of Olives, we confessed that his ascension into heaven was real. We derived only thus much of profit from our travelling thither, namely that we came to know, by being able to compare them, that our own places are far holier than those abroad. Wherefore, O ye who fear the Lord, praise him in the places where ye now are. Change of place does not affect any drawing nearer unto God, but wherever thou mayest be, God will come to thee if the chambers of thy soul be found of such a sort that he can dwell in thee and walk in thee. But if thou keepest thine inner man full of wicked thoughts, even if thou wast on Golgotha, even if thou wast on the Mount of Olives, even if thou stoodest on the memorial rock of the resurrection, thou wilt be as far away from receiving Christ into thyself as one who has not even begun to confess him. Therefore, my beloved friend, counsel thee, brethren, to be absent from the body, to go to our Lord, rather than to be absent from Cappadocia, to go to Palestine.' 
And if anyone should adduce the command spoken by our Lord to his disciples, that they should not quit Jerusalem, let him be made to understand its true meaning. Inasmuch as the gift and the distribution of the Holy Spirit had not yet passed upon the apostles, our Lord commanded them to remain in the same place until they should have been endued with power from on high. Now if that which happened at the beginning, when the Holy Spirit was dispensing each of his gifts under the appearance of a flame, continued until now, it would be right for all to remain in that place where that dispensing took place. But if the Spirit bloweth where he listeth, those, too, who have become believers here, are made partakers of that gift, and that according to the proportion of their faith, not in consequence of their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. End of On Pilgrimages by Gregory of Nyssa